Well, as Roger said, we're starting a new series in the book of Hebrews, and I've always loved Hebrews because it reads like a great sermon, uh, and it was written uh, to be read out loud, heard out loud in one sitting from start to finish. Uh, so hopefully uh, you have done that in this week leading up, or you're going to plan to do that shortly. It's a great thing to do as we come to this book. Now, one of the great mysteries of Hebrews is that we don't know who wrote it, um, but we can work out a bit about him from what he wrote. Uh, he was not an eyewitness to Jesus, uh, but he had heard the gospel from others. Uh, but at the same time, he was known by the apostles. As he talks about, we just heard, uh, he talks about Timothy, uh, who was Paul's protege. Um, and he knew his Old Testament really well. If you've read through, you'll hear again and again, he keeps referencing the Old Testament, uh, which is a big part of Hebrews. Uh, but he also knew his audience really well. And that's probably more important for us to understand as we come uh, to study Hebrews together. Uh, and it appears that uh, the people he's writing to have been Christians for some time. And look, they'd really started running the Christian race well, uh, but it seems like something has happened and so they've started to grow a little weary uh, and a little weak at the knees. Uh, they've started to drift and started to stumble and they are in danger of giving up. And although Hebrews was written to them uh, back then, uh, it also speaks to us today, uh, particularly where we are at at this time as a church. You see, the gospel of salvation has come to us uh, like, it has come, like it had come to them. Uh, but I, I bet some of us have been feeling the effects of lockdown at this time. Um, we've been Christians for a long time, uh, but the challenges of not meeting together, of the changing of routines and habits, has meant, I'll bet a lot of us are feeling a little bit weary, a little bit weak-kneed. And so what do you say to people like this, uh, people like me, uh, people like you? Well, the author, I think we see two main aims as he writes to this people. Uh, number one is, uh, he gives a word of warning. Now, Hebrews is known for its five warning passages as well. Um, and that's what you do, right? When you see people in danger, you warn them. Like if I'm going for a bushwalk and I see you know, a snake by the side of the path, uh, I'm telling every person that I see along the way uh, so they can watch out and avoid it. And right, these people he's writing to are in danger of missing out of salvation and instead facing God's eternal judgment. Uh, so he warns them. Uh, but secondly, it's also a word of encouragement. Uh, listen to this from Hebrews 13, 22. Brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation, for in fact I've written to you quite briefly. I might not say it's a brief letter, uh, but it's a, it's a letter or a word of exhortation, uh, which means a strong encouragement. And again and again throughout uh, this book, uh, it's an encouragement to hang on to Jesus as the anchor of your soul. Uh, he focuses on Jesus so much, who he is, what he has done, and who he is now for his people, what he is doing, and encouraging them to keep looking to him, uh, keep listening to him, uh, keep trusting him and persevering in him to the very end. And so we see both those things, the warning and the encouragement uh, throughout this book. Uh, but we also see them today uh, in the opening section. We see that as God has spoken by his son, uh, who is better than the best, 
Uh, Therefore, we must pay attention to him so that we do not drift away. So firstly, uh, God has spoken by his son. This is the opening of Hebrews. Uh, It's a great little passage. Uh, But just notice the contrast here as we're reading through it. It says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Now, just pause there. Uh, This is what we did in our Bible series earlier this year, uh, talking about the past, uh, the Old Testament, uh, before the coming of Jesus. Uh, That is where the writers of the Old Testament were carried along by the Holy Spirit uh, as God caused them to write his very words. Uh, That is how God spoke to our ancestors in the past. But then we go on in Hebrews and it says, But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Right, the last days are right now, today, until Jesus returns. And in these last days, God has spoken by his son. God sent his beloved son to our world. And we see that all those storylines of the Old Testament find their fulfillment in Jesus. And he is God's final word To us. Uh, Did you notice that? Uh, It says that God has spoken to us by his son. You know, if someone asks you, you know, does God still speak today? You can say, yes. Yes, he does. Uh, God has spoken to us by his son. And so, you know, in in these last days, there's no new information coming from God. Uh, He's given us all that we need to know in Jesus. That is how vital Jesus is to know God and to know salvation uh, in these last days. Now, the author starts in this way, I think, just to show us just how great Jesus is or to remind us of that, because it's easy for us to look at something great and just not realise how great it is. Um, The universe is a bit like this, the universe we live in. I'll tell you a story. Back in 1995, uh, scientists pointed the Hubble telescope at what they thought was just a dark and empty part of space. Uh, and they just focused on this like tiny dot in space for 10 days, not really expecting to find much out there. Uh, but this is what they found. This is the photo. And what you're looking at there is 1,500 distinct galaxies. Some of them are billions of light years away. Now, to put that into perspective uh, for the non-science nerds, um, our our galaxy is 100,000 light years wide, right? And that that is one galaxy. It contains hundreds of billions of stars. All right, that's just our one. This is 1,500 of them. And just in that tiny bit of space, uh, we look at the universe, we do not know how amazing it is. Uh, Now read this about Jesus. Now the author goes on to write, uh, Jesus, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Jesus is God who made the universe, every galaxy, every star, and he upholds it, he sustains it right now by the word of his power. When we look at Jesus, we are looking at something great. 
Uh, but maybe we have, we have not gazed at him long enough uh, to realise just how great he is. And so the author wants to begin by just fixing our attention on him uh, and the wonder uh, that God has spoken to us by his great son. Now, given that introduction about the greatness of Jesus, it's a little strange uh, where the author goes next uh, as he talks about Jesus being better than angels. Um, now, I, I would sort of say, isn't that obvious that he's better than angels? Uh, why not just say, Jesus is the best, and then just move on? Now, let's go to the next thing. Well, you see, the author doesn't just want them to hear that Jesus is best, right? because they've heard that before. Right? And they were even starting to yawn when they heard that. Uh, he wants them now to believe it, uh, to feel it, uh, to be so compelled by it uh, that they see Jesus for who he is and they worship him. And you see, there's more force in the repeated comparisons than there is in just a single statement like Jesus is best. Uh, for example, uh, and I couldn't avoid not talking about this this week, if you know me, uh, I could say... The Panthers are the best, right? That's obvious. They won the grand final. They're the best. Uh, but if I really want you to believe uh, that the Panthers are, are the best, I'm going to say that they are better. I'm going to say that they have better attack, better defence, better tackling, better running, uh, better kicking, better catching, better players, better coaches, and on and on and on. They are better. Right, and Jesus, like no doubt, Jesus is the best. Right, but our hearts need to hear that Jesus is better. Right, we need to keep hearing that over and over again. You know, so when other things want to drag our attention away from Jesus, uh, we can remember Jesus is better and be reminded of that so that we don't get dragged away into other things, uh, but we stay focused in on him. And so we're going to see the author of Hebrews doing this throughout uh, this book. Uh, he's saying here Jesus is better than angels, but he's going to say Jesus is better than Moses, he's better than the priests, he's better than the temple, uh, he's better than sacrifices. Uh, he is just better and more satisfying than anything else. And we'll keep seeing that as we go through. But here uh, he says Jesus is better than angels. And now why? Why angels? Uh, because angels are great uh, angels are God's messengers. Right, what do we see happening when angels turn up in the Bible? Uh, we see people scared. Uh, we see people wanting to, to worship them because they are glorious. And the author is saying, look, can we agree that angels are these awesome servants of God, uh, but Jesus is better? And so to do this, he gives seven quotes from the Old Testament um, and, and the way we see these arranged is there's three sets of pairs, the first six, and then there's one kind of climactic point at the end. And so we're just going to look at the first pair and then the last point. Uh, so here we go, Hebrews 1.5. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have become your father? Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. Hopefully that you recognise these quotes from our 2 Samuel series. Uh, it's from Psalm 2, the first one, then 2 Samuel 7, the second one. Uh, and these are both passages about God's king. 
right? That unique person uh, with that unique relationship to God uh, who establishes God's kingdom, right? And that person, uh, the author's saying, is Jesus, the one and only. Uh, The next pair show us that even angels worship this King Jesus. And the final pair show us that Jesus' kingdom uh, is eternal. Uh, His reign is forever. And then the final climactic point that he makes uh, is in Hebrews 1.13. He says, To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Uh, This is Psalm 110. Uh, And it pictures uh, a victorious king, God's king, victorious over all his enemies. This is a picture of Jesus right now. Jesus has has come and he's finished the work that he came to do. Uh, Through his life and death and resurrection, he has defeated every enemy and he has brought eternal salvation to those who trust in him. And so right now, Jesus sits in the highest place, Uh, Jesus is in the oval office of heaven at the right hand of God in power. And so, yeah, the angels are awesome, uh, but Jesus is so much better. And all of this so far in the opening of Hebrews has been leading to what we see next, right? The first of five warning passages. And the word here is to pay attention and don't drift. Uh, Let's read it together. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great salvation? Uh, So in other words, uh, he's saying, if the word of God spoken in the past through the prophets uh, that was you know, mediated through angels, those messengers of God, right? if that word came with such severe punishments, right? so we paid you know, really careful attention to it, right? how much more should we pay attention to the word of God spoken by his son? Right? How much more severe will the punishments be for those who ignore this word from God? And verse 3 even tells us there, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? And the answer is there will be no escape. Uh, we, we read later on in Hebrews these words, there will be no escape but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And so this idea of, you know, paying attention and not drifting uh, really brings to mind this picture of a boat in the open sea. You, know, you need to pay attention to where you are and where you are going constantly, right, so that you are heading in the right direction. Uh, if you don't do that, you're going to drift with the current. You're going to get lost, and that is going to lead to death. And so these people were in danger of drifting from salvation, and I think, I think drifting is so dangerous, right, because you, you don't even notice that it's happening. C.S. Lewis wrote in the Screwtape Letters uh, that the safest road to hell is a gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, 
without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. And right, drifting is like that. It's that subtle and gentle and just gradual movement away from God. And maybe you know people who have drifted like this. And it doesn't happen overnight. It's often just a series of small decisions over time that just gradually take them further and further away from God and his people. You know, it's just that little by little, day by day decisions where when you're no longer seeing them at church, uh, you're actually not surprised by that. And look, it can happen to anyone. Uh, Notice uh, in this, uh, here the author includes himself in this. Uh, He says, we, you know, and not you. Uh, He includes himself. Because we can all grow familiar with the gospel and actually grow dull to what it is saying. We can become less and less amazed by this word that God has spoken to us through the Son. But he tells us how to avoid drifting, and that is to pay attention to what we have heard. And he's talking about what we have heard in the gospel of salvation, right? The word of God spoken through the Son, first of all, uh, but then passed on by those who heard him, by his apostles and by his disciples. And then wonderfully, uh, it is a word that has been recorded for us in Scripture. Uh, We can read it today. And so paying attention is really, it's the kind of obedience uh, that is the opposite of drifting. right? It is hearing the word of God regularly, little by little, day by day, bit by bit. And and not just being a hearer of the word, uh, but a doer as well. uh, For that word to actually have an impact upon you where you're responding with praise and thanksgiving and repentance and faith. And so what does this mean for us? Uh, Well, for some of us, it's going to mean not yawning when we open the Bible. Uh, I yawn when I open the Bible, but it's because I'm getting up early often to read it in the mornings. Uh, But I mean, don't yawn spiritually, right? Sit up and listen to what God is saying. Be expectant uh, to hear from him and be ready Uh, to do what he says by his grace. You know, gaze at the glory of God in Jesus Christ long enough to actually see him, uh, to see his greatness uh, and to believe it uh, and to feel it. Keep saying to yourself, keep reminding yourself, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. So that you won't drift away into other things that you you think are more satisfying uh, but never will be. For others listening, you might have just never seriously considered Jesus at all. Uh, Well, I want to invite you to Christianity Explored. I want you to come along to that, uh, hear about who he is and what he did, why it matters. That's starting soon, so please come and join us for that. Uh, Maybe you're a new Christian uh, who's just starting out in the race, a lot of energy, right? Your knees are feeling good, uh, and and I'm feeling good for you. Uh, Keep going. Uh, Use that wonderful energy uh, of a new Christian Uh, to keep going and encourage others with that. It's a wonderful thing to do. Uh, But always keep your eyes on Jesus and the salvation that he has won for you. And look, for all of us, uh, as we are going to be reading through Hebrews, uh, let's take seriously the warnings that come to us through this book. Uh, But let's also take seriously the encouragement for those who trust in Jesus as we see him in his word. 
You see, right now, Jesus, we know, has died for us. He has risen. He is at the right hand of God. Uh, He's ruling and reigning, sustaining the universe. Uh, But he's also sustaining our faith, the faith of those who trust in him. Uh, And so go to him, uh, and he will help you to endure in this race. Uh, Let's pay careful attention to him as we see him in his word. Let's pray now that God will do that work in us. Would you join me in prayer? Our Father in heaven, we thank you for speaking to us by your Son, through whom you created all things and by whom you uphold the universe. Thank you for speaking your message of salvation through him, which is the best news we could ever hear. We thank you that Jesus is king over all and will be forever. We pray that you would give us hearts that pay attention to him, uh, that hear your word about him and respond in ways that are right and pleasing to you. And we pray we would not be those who drift. And we pray for those who are, uh, that you would turn them back by your mercy and grace. Do this work in us, we pray, by the power of your Holy Spirit and for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Well, there's going to be a slide come up on the screen. I just want you to take a minute to uh, pray and just reflect upon the things that we have heard, and we'll come back together in a moment.